Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Jeff Aiden, co-founder and executive vice president of marketing and business development, Ian Willoughby, chief architect cloud solutions, and Skip Berry, executive director of cloud enablement. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Hey, good afternoon, listeners. Thanks for joining us on Cloud Crunch. Jeff Aiden, co-founder of Second Watch. And I'm joined, as always, with Ian Willoughby and Skip Berry of Second Watch. Today, we have special guest Francis Wong from VMware with us to talk about VMware Cloud on AWS. Uh, Francis has worked at VMware for a number of years here three years with VMware and currently is a cloud partner solution architect. Has a deep IT background going back to her time at Texas Instruments. Francis, welcome to the show. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your current role? Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, that's right. I'm Francis Wong. I'm currently a cloud partner solution architect with VMware. I've been in this role for about eight months and prior to this, I was actually what VMware for, refers to as a core SE for Silicon Valley for about three years. So some of my clients include really well-known names because it's out here in the Bay Area, Twitter, Airbnb, Lyft. I did all the security companies, Qualls, Fortinet, Checkpoint, Proofpoint. I did a lot of semiconductors, KLA 10 core, Plantronics, things like that. So. I've had a lot of experience with customers with their VMware infrastructure and in selling the entire VMware portfolio. And today I am not direct customer facing, but I'm facing partners like Second Watch and helping you with the VMware on AWS solution. So we want to help our partners not only learn about the solution and position it, but to make sure that you're successful in deploying the VMware cloud on AWS solution. Right. And today it's front and center. All of us on the podcast and many of you, if not all of you, are working remote today as, as the world is fighting against COVID-19. So it's kind of relevant that we're talking about VMC or VMware Cloud on AWS as this is a great solution in a crisis like this and a number of use cases where you suddenly have to leave your on-premise uh, work environment, but need access to the tools as well as the application of workloads. Many of the use cases we'll talk about today, you know, is, is migration, you know, even data center evacuation, your data center extensions for scalability, um, some next-gen uh, application, disaster recovery, remote workforce, obviously, and, and many others. Well, um, Francis, thanks for the overview. Let's just jump in and just have you describe um, for our listeners out there what the offering VMware, you know, Cloud VMC on AWS provides um, the end customer. Sure, sure. So VMware Cloud on AWS, just to break down that name a little bit, when we say VMware Cloud, we're really referring to uh, the VMware stack. So the VMware infrastructure stack, the core stack is often also referred to as a VMware Cloud Foundation. It encompasses the three infrastructure 
software pieces that VMware is known for. The first and foremost being vSphere, so virtualization of compute. And then there's NSX, virtualization of the network. And then there's vSAN, virtualization of storage. And those three is, are the three main components that make up VMware Cloud Foundation. Now, VMware Cloud is an instance of vCloud Foundation being executed on AWS's bare metal hardware. And we began about three years ago uh, in the partnership with AWS. Now, this was not a small undertaking. It took hundreds of engineers from VMware and hundreds of engineers from AWS more than 24 months to bring that to market. So it took a long time and we were AWS's first partner in delivering a metal as a service offering. So the engineering effort I wanted to highlight because the service is almost turnkey. And that is the beauty of all that engineering. When you turn it on, you go into a web interface, you put a credit card in, you sign up for a VMware account, and you can press a button and bring up the entire VMware stack in an AWS availability zone in about 90 minutes. And that in itself is a huge engineering feat, in my opinion. And when you say engineering, it's not just VMware engineers. This was a joint effort with AWS engineers and VMware engineers, and obviously a very strategic offering. If if you've watched some of the media outlets with, with your CEO, as well as been to reInvent and heard from Andy Jassy, right? This is this was a, a fairly large, significant joint effort. It it is a big joint effort, and we're breaking new ground in that when you have you know traditionally VMware has been in the data centers. Let's be quite frank, right? We have half a million customers. We really built our name on running data centers really efficiently. You know, we combining. 10, 20, 30 servers onto one piece of hardware. Now, there's a lot of enterprise customers that are invested in that platform, that do very well on that platform. And so when they take a look at AWS and the capability of moving some of their functionality to the cloud, that's a long road. The Second Watch team knows better than me what that road looks like. (laughs) So it's not easy for enterprise customers to move over there. And so when you have an offering like VMware, when you're platformed on both on-prem and in AWS on the VMDK platform, then it's a matter of moving that workload and actually being in the cloud. You can run it, you can move it to the cloud. I mean, some people want to call it a forklift. Okay, I mean, that's that's probably close to it. It's close. I wouldn't say it's exact um, because there's so much more in the stack in the cloud. And there's so much more functionality in the cloud than customers can build on their own. So that's that's the thing that I think is people don't realize that when they do take on the service, they're getting more than just a traditional VMware stack. They're getting that entire stack, all the functionality of NSX and vSAN, not just vSphere, and the latest additions too at their fingertips. Well, that's great, Francis. So. You know, what we see with a lot of our customers are that maybe they're new to the cloud, but they have a lot of deep experience with VMware. You know, what, what is your position on, let's say, taking those existing skills that people have on-prem? How does that translate to getting them into uh, VMC on AWS? 
Yeah, that is one of the advantages of this particular solution because vSphere on-prem is the same as the vSphere uh, in AWS. Now, the difference might be that the version that we run in AWS is the latest version of vSphere, but it's backwards compatible. So once the customers are using the service and they open up that traditional management interface of the vCenter, they're going to realize this is the same thing as what I have on-prem. It looks the same. It feels the same because it is almost the same other than the drivers for the AWS you know, hardware. So they can operate the same way. They know how to use content libraries. They know how to use templates. They know how to measure uh, the CPU. They know what it looks like, feels like. That, fami that familiarity allows them to ramp up and use the service much faster. And I think the one thing that we have noticed too is once the customers try it out and they realize, oh yeah, I can operate this the same way I operate a data center on, on premise, we've, we discover they really run away with the service. They're like, okay, we're, we're ready to go. Let's open up a second location. Let's, let's move the workloads up to the cloud. We've got an exit off of this particular data center or off of this colo, right? Um, if they have contracts coming up. Yeah, that's what we've seen, Francis, as well, in our experience so far with the great segue into kind of next question. How do you think, you know, it changes the dynamic really from a DR perspective, but in a positive way, right? What are some of your, we'll say, visionary statements from a DR perspective and then just your experience working with customers here with this in the cloud? So DR becomes, you end up with more options. I will say that. But those options right now today, they're not as, there's not as many as there are for built for on-premise today, right? So, I mean, we've got how many years, just decades and decades of vendors and partners that have provided DR services in the shape of maybe colos, maybe a rental of a rack, maybe software, maybe backup software that can also do DR. Um, the on-premise ecosystem is very rich and we understand that. So when you go to the cloud, you've got to work within the constraints of what's available in the cloud. And there are, it's a different construct in the cloud. So one of the things that our customers are learning, although they know how to use vSphere, um, is, hey, it's a different cost model on the cloud. What, what does that mean? There are different line items. So you want, you want to do DR to a different location. It's a different cost model than just buying a piece of software. Yeah. So there, there are some things that, there's some bumpers, so to speak, that are out there in the cloud today. And I expect that ecosystem to actually grow. So you're going to get more options and it'll become more clear. Hey, uh, Skip and Francis, you guys make a great point with DR, but in light of where we are in current affairs, COVID-19, maybe 80 to 90% of the workforce, all of a sudden within a week, you know, starting to work remote. Things uh, in, in companies and businesses and industries that, that have never been remote, talk about education, talk about call centers, talk about banking and finance. I mean, we have literally organizations that did not plan, both from a capacity standpoint within their data centers, nor from an availability standpoint and scalability standpoint. And, you know, a couple of the use cases uh, that were brought up during the research were desktops, desktops that may have been supported 
or desktop as a service that may have been supported out of their data center, as well as, you know, consumer facing properties that weren't set up to scale today. Are those areas that VMC, AWS can support? Yeah, that is a big use case for us today. We are seeing incredible interest in the platform to deliver desktops because when customers, even if they have delivered desktops on-premise from their current data center, they bought and they sized for the workforce that they intend to provide remote services to. That's all changed in today's landscape. Like you said, 80, 90% of the employees are going home and have to work remote. But you know what? Their data center and their VDI farm wasn't built to scale for everyone, only for specific folks. So now they've got to go. They can't build another data center right quick. They can't just rack and stack servers and think they can order it. You can't get it up fast enough. So now they've got to go look for options where that hardware and that data center is already available and that software is available to serve their uh, the remaining workforce. I think the other case that we're seeing is entities that have smaller online presence, whether a, a website that is not commonly used or services that you only need once in a while. Now they're being hit really, really hard and they don't have the capability to scale on-premise to serve those customers. And so now they're looking for options as well. well that's great. You know, I, I think what you touched on too is just that the whole procurement model for getting more capacity. And that that is one of the, I think, most amazing things, even prior to what we're dealing with right now and while we're all uh, recording this from our bunkers, essentially. But, you know, so let's talk about, you know, procurement drilling just a little bit more, but also how it changes like to the hardware refresh kind of life cycle, because, I think that is uh, really moving from, uh, you know, from a financial model of a CapEx to an OpEx. And, and I, I think that's fascinating. Could you talk a little bit more about that as well? Like the from the OpEx to the CapEx model that customers are facing today? Yeah. That is a fundamental change that when you take it to IT, which has traditionally worked of a CapEx model, now they're having more conversations with their financial staff, with their CFO, and asking whether their business the way they generate revenue can accommodate an OPEX model if they want to get away from the CAPEX model. And this is all very individual to the companies themselves. But they're seeing, they're seeing that value because if you look at some companies that don't run their own data centers, maybe they rent from somewhere else, they have really big contracts. They're not just one-year contracts. They're three, five, 10-year contracts for a location to house their data center or their DR location. Those are big, expensive con contracts. So if they go to an OPEX model where they use something like VMC, they can spread that cost out and they can figure out, well, you know what? They don't even have to upgrade the hardware. It's not their problem. That's my favorite line when I talk about VMC. The hardware is not their problem. The maintenance is not their problem. The upgrades are not their problem. How much does that save them in terms of headcount, manpower, man hours? Um, all of those things come into play. So it's a conversation between IT and their financial staff now when it comes to that model. Francis, that's a great answer to that question. Uh, and just in that, 
so we do we see companies using this as a transition from that from the old capex to opex and where you know a lot of our customers are trying to move to you know it as a service as well right do you see that as this being a really a catalyst to those kind of events big time big time so I've been saying part of the reason why I joined VMware is, you know, I wanted to help my customers because quite frankly, there's not enough technical people in the world to service the needs of the various companies globally. We've got to come out with some of these services and some of these products that take the man hours off our customers plate. Their staff, they're not growing their staff. And even if they are, who are they going to hire from? There's just not enough of us to go around. And that is a big determinant for a lot of the managers and the directors that are making that decision when they look at the VMC product and they realize, we talked about that skill set, it's the same skill set. I don't have to hire somebody new to learn this. I can run a portion of this somewhere else and not have that CapEx model. And I can keep that headcount the same as what it is today. And that is a big piece of it because what they have seen in the past if they looked at the cloud model, I don't care if you're going to Azure or GCP or AWS, they had to hire somebody else or ask the current person to increase their skill set. I like that. Yeah, compelling argument right there for sure. Thank you. Now, I'm kind of a technical nerd sometimes. I, I like to play one on, on TV. So one of the coolest features, I think, in my mind is, you know, the way that it gets set up in AWS is it, it's a NVMe-backed uh, vSANs, and it, it really does, you know, incredible speed and a lot of uh, deduping and compression. Can you talk about some of maybe your personal favorite features of, of the technical platform? Oh, <laughs> the first one that impressed me the most, and I know this is a little odd, is when we closed out POCs, like if you were to close out a POC with say Dell, say they sent you a try and buy a piece of hardware. When you're, first of all, you gotta figure out when you're gonna end that POC. Okay, the POC is done, you've spun everything down. Well, somebody's gotta unrack that thing, unplug that thing, find the original box it came in, <laughs> and then ship it. When I turn down an SDDC and BMC, I click like three buttons, man, and it's done. I was like, wow. That impressed the daylights out of me. I was like, we're done, guys. Look, the billing stopped. The billing stopped. Because that's a big deal, right? If you, I mean, if your son had a, had a cell phone and you're like, I got to cut off your cell phone, you're like, how do you turn that off? You, you got to call them in advance. And you're like, okay, I plan to turn it off on the 30th. I'll pay till the 30th, etc. No, this is, this is click, over, done. That was my favorite feature so far. Uh, some of the other ones I like, the ability to add a host, like if, like we talked about, you know, you invest in the data center, you buy pieces of hardware, you amortize it over three or five years. So if you need to do some capacity planning and you need to add to that, you've got to budget for it. Um, you've got to get a quote, get an estimate. You got to get a PO. You got to get. I mean on and on and on it's like six months before you get your piece of hardware and then you got to rack and stack it and have to beg, beg the data center guys to give you a report so when you add a host in vmc you click a button how many do you want nine minutes later you have another host added to the cluster that's it if you don't need it you could turn it off and you'll only be billed that 
month or whatever, how long, however long you used it. Like that's, that is easy peasy in my opinion. Oh, that's great. Appreciate that. Great stuff. What do you see, um, I guess, just from any major objections out there, Francis, that you see when you start talking about this, does anyone have like a pause, you know, big pause moment and, you know, how do you overcome the objective? Uh, you know, I mean, we, we always weigh it out as it's a great way to uh, dip the toe in the water, as you were just mentioning here, you know, for POCs and what have you, but just curious from your standpoint, what you've experienced and you can speak to that a little bit. I think the greatest objection, and I'm not going to hide from this because I've, I've dealt with this since I've been with VMware, is going to be cost. Um, VMware is a premium brand. We spend a lot of money on engineering on building these kinds of solutions. Uh, and I don't know if I'd counter it as much as I would say you're looking at the cost of – when you say cost is an objection, it's because you're looking at it at solely from a compute cost. Now, if I said, all right, well, if you had to do the equivalent, you're going to pay for real estate. You're going to pay to pull AT&T line. You're going to pay for hardware. You're going to pay for uh, software maintenance. You're going to pay for the headcount that you're going to manage that. And you're going to pay um, for their travel costs. So if you take those costs and you calculate it for your company, now do an apples to apples comparison. That's a good point. In conjunction with your last statement too, around just, you know, shift into that model of operational cost, you know, that you, you've, you have to figure in the whole iceberg, right? So that's really cool. Yeah. That's a great way to position that. So. Well, and the reality is in today's light, it's also the scale down, right? So let's say if you had a major airliner or even, you know, oil and gas company that needed to scale down quickly, it's a lot easier to do it if you're on the cloud or on VMC than if you're running on-prem. Um, going back to your previous example of the POC um, is a great example. Yeah, and I think one of the things that sometimes as technical people we lose sight of um, is that a lot of our customers, they're not in the technology business. You mentioned oil and gas, but hospitals and government, they are not in the business of being, a, a, you know, they're not in the technical business. They just need the stuff to run. They shouldn't have to figure out so much of the plumbing. And that's why when I tell customers, I'm like, look, the hardware is not your problem. The plumbing is not your problem. The only plumbing you got to do is from your on-premise and how to get in there, so to speak. But the upgrades are not your problem. Like none of that is your problem. And they're like, that's what they hear. Because they're like, I got to focus on building a hospital, you know, doing the oil. I mean, they got to focus on that stuff and they should be, they should not be spending so much money and time and effort into reinventing the wheel. Technically it's the build versus pay model, as we like to say. That's great. And for a second, if you could talk about tools that are out there for analysis in order to determine how to get going, what the cost would be. I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, they're thinking about it. They're, they're like, I, I just don't understand, you know, how much hardware I'm going to need, how much it's going to cost to operate. Can you talk a little bit about the ways that potential customers for this could actually get that data ahead of time so there's no surprises? Yeah, yeah. You know, VMware is surprisingly transparent with this particular service. On our website, we post our roadmap. So the features of what's coming in VMC. We also put a, a sizing tool online. 
So you could go online on the website and, you know, you could take a sub-segment, you know, what you think is representative of your workload, because not all the workload oftentimes will be the first thing to move up to the cloud um, and, and do that cost calculation or host sizing calculation. And that calculator will take into account all the software overhead, as well as the size of the nodes up in AWS to give them a rough idea of what they could fit on the hosts in VMC. The other tools I will point to for some of our larger customers is if they have some of the VMware management tools like Operations Manager or Network Insight, those will give them very fine granular uh, capability to estimate what, how much of the VMC service they would need for a sub-segment of their workloads. So those are, Operations Manager will do that. Um, Network Insight will help them track the traffic flow because that one is a big one that people really, for, for lack of a better term, they really take for granted when they're on-prem versus when they're in the cloud. Oh, great, thank you for that. What about using it as a, um, have you seen clients out there using it as a DR target for just starters to get involved with? Or I guess what what has your been exposure? We have one client that has done it that way. And just curious from a bigger scale, yeah. uh, what you've uh, seen out there. So oftentimes, yeah, we do see DR as a target for VMC, especially for uh, larger customers and for customers that are looking at VDI failover and burst capability that they will use, they will start with VMC in that manner. So it's not heavily utilized when they first start out, so to speak. Um, but for the smaller clients, DR in VMC might or might not make sense just because of the size versus cost model. Um, but if they're doing a business continuity case where they put a pilot light uh, using VMC as a pilot light, then they can layer on the DR solution very easily and just check off that box. So for some of our smaller clients, if they're able to use it in more than just a DR fashion, they actually are able to check off a lot of boxes. They can check off the, the cloud strategy. They can check off the pilot lights or business continuity. Uh, they can check off the DR box and potentially the, the bursting capability for, for their on-prem. So when they have a couple of those use cases, then DR just makes all the sense in the world just to check that box. Yeah, I love it. Great. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, Francis, we try to keep uh, CloudCrunch under 30 minutes. So, you know, really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you for joining us and sharing your insights. And we do enjoy working with you as one of your partners on these solutions for our clients. But thanks for joining us today. Thanks. This was fun. I hope this is, uh, this is good for you guys. <laughs> Yeah, Ian and Skip, uh, you know, thanks for being here as always. And listeners, if you have uh, any feedback, questions, or comments, please submit that to cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com. And we look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Francis. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Jeff Aiden, Ian Willoughby, and Skip Berry. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com slash company slash blog, or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter. Twitter.